When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. You know, um, I want to be a Viking um, for life, so, um, you know, but, you know, it's a business, so we'll figure that out when that time to get here, but, you know, I want to be a Viking for life, but, you know, at the same time, um, you know, when, when that situation comes up, then we'll, we'll handle it the proper way. Everson Griffin there toward the end of the season. I think that must have been locker cleanout. And uh, today announces on Instagram that he will no longer be a Minnesota Viking. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf. And Myron, I had it all set up for you to react to every move that's happened so far. But then we get more Vikings breaking news. So let's react to that first, and then we can get to some other things that have happened. Uh, what is the first thought that runs through your mind when you see Everson Griffin post on Instagram that he is not coming back to Minnesota? Uh, some disappointment. I mean, because I just think... You know, this team's obviously lost a number of pieces. Uh, they're gonna have to really get lucky in the draft and and find some of those, uh, you know, those gems. And I just think, you know, if you bring Everson back, then that is continuity. And I think the thing that this franchise has wrestled with over the last couple of years uh, was a sense of continuity. And when you lose a piece like that, it, it's just hard to replace. It's hard to replace the digs. Uh, hard to replace Griffin, obviously. And, you know, I guess I am beginning to understand that this team is going in the wrong direction in a lot of ways. And now the draft, uh, they could do a great job in the draft. Who knows if they get a bunch of picks for Anthony Harris. But I, I do think that, you know, Spillman's going to have to do a great job evaluating the talent here in April to try to boost this roster because they've lost some pieces where you go, you're not going to fulfill that role uh, with a 22-year-old in the second or third round. It's just not going to happen. So my buddy Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune um, always puts things carefully and well, I think. And he tweeted this, can't imagine it's gone exactly as planned so far when it comes to this Vikings offseason. And I think that that's I think that perfectly sums it up with Griffin not staying. I mean at the combine, Mike Zimmer talked as if it was a foregone conclusion that Everson Griffin was going to be back, and at that point, he was essentially saying and and I guess the Vikings would have been if they had brought him back, they would have been saying to paraphrase LL Cool J, like don't call it a rebuild, right? Yeah, and, I like that. Uh, Look at it, you being yeah, all uh, uh, 90s hip hop. Yeah, oh, that's I, 80s yeah. actually. I like uh, that. Yeah, 
Yeah, the eighties I'm a little tougher on, but I know that one. So um, I wasn't around most for most of the eighties. Yeah. So, um, but but that was the vibe that you got was yeah we're gonna have to replace pieces we're gonna have to make some tough decisions but we've been developing some players and everything else and if we still have the bones of this thing if we still have Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter and Harrison Smith, and if we bring back Anthony Harris, then yeah, you know what? You can replace Trey Waynes. You could replace uh, Xavier Rhodes. Those two guys didn't really play all that well last year anyway. But now you're talking about a completely different group of human beings on the defensive side. And for a long time, that was something that they talked about is why they were so good, is they yeah. all knew Zimmer's defense up and down. And there, there were the same guys at the uh, beginning of 2015 were all on the roster that started the playoff game in Santa Clara against the 49ers. So, you know, that is all completely changed just in a matter of days. And in a world right now where you look around and go, is this real life? I mean, it's got to feel that way for whoever walks into that Vikings locker room whenever they're allowed back in of looking over to that <laughs> defensive side and going, is this real life? Who are these people? Well, and I, and I think that's the thing, Kyler, is uh, for the first time, it feels like this will be a different team. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not going to look like the, the team we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, they, they have to find a way uh, to really hit a home run in the draft. I, I think with the Stephon Diggs trade, what happened was a lot of people said, well, look at what they got in return. I said that. And I think if you're going to lose a guy who doesn't want to be here, which I'm fine with the trade from that aspect, it, it was clear that Diggs didn't want to be in Minneapolis. And I don't know how you take that situation into 2020. I don't know how you remedy that. So what they got in return was was great. But I think the thing that maybe was missing is, you know, you've got to hit the lottery there, though. You, you've got to make the right decisions to really build up this team, uh, considering what, what you've lost. I read the piece that you wrote about, I think they were what, as of last week, Pro Football Focus said a difference of like one and a half wins yep. compared yep. to to the roster they have. Which I mean, that's that's you sitting at home versus you getting into the playoffs, and now you lose a Griffin and you lose you lose things, you lose pieces that were reliable. Mm-hmm. And if if this team has struggled with anything under Mike Zimmer, it's maintaining reliable options on both sides of the ball. So I think that's where you get more concerned. You had enough struggles when you did have those guys you could count on consistently. What do you look like without them? Right, because this I, is putting more pressure on Kirk Cousins to just be great. And I don't think anybody, I think a lot of people are concerned as to whether or not he's going to be able to make up uh, the gap for what they've lost. Well, right now they have no guards either. So uh, it, it's not just on the defensive side of the ball, but you make a good point about the lack of continuity on the offensive side has been a part of the thing that has defined Zimmer's era here is that you haven't had a consistent quarterback only once in back-to-back years, and that's Kirk Cousins the last two years has been their starting quarterback. Offensive coordinators coming in and out, and uh, Thielen and Diggs were the reliable on offense that made everybody better, and now you only have one one half of that on the offensive side and on the defensive side, you're forced to completely revamp that thing. The only things you have left, and I'll count Anthony Harris for now, are your two safeties, your two linebackers, and one edge rusher that you know what you're going to get for next year. Because I don't count Mike Hughes or Jaleel Johnson or Armin Watts. Like, yeah, they were on the <laughs> roster, but we don't know what they can do yet. <laughs> And, you know, I also, it ran through my mind, too, about how much had to go right 
for the Minnesota Vikings to be as good as they were with a lot of these players. So think yeah, about... Very good point. Very good point. Think about Everson Griffin. I mean, he's a fourth-round pick who was a rotational pass rusher, and Zimmer deserves credit for this, came in and said, no, you're going to be a full-time guy, and turned him into one of the best defensive ends in the NFL for a long period of time. But how often does that happen that a fourth-round guy on his second contract suddenly becomes a consistent pro bowler? Almost never. How often yeah. does it happen even that a late first-round pick for even two or three years becomes one of the best, if not the best, cornerback in the NFL? Even at safety, if they move on from Anthony Harris, undrafted guy who becomes one of the <laughs> top safeties. I mean, some of of this is development. Some of it is a very smart front office when it comes to finding players. Some of it is dumb luck. Stefan Diggs in the fifth round is dumb luck. You can't yeah. tell me otherwise because if you knew anything about it, you would have drafted him in the second round of the first round. So, um, you know, the- are they arrogant now off that dumb luck? You think? I mean, is, is, is this become a sense of and maybe arrogance is the wrong word? Overconfidence that because you've hit the lottery once or maybe multiple times, considering uh, some of the guys you identified, that hey. With the draft assets you have now, you can do it again, and you can plug in some of those holes. I mean, is that a part of what we've witnessed here over the last couple of weeks? So, you know, I've been thinking about this of what does it say that Everson Griffin is leaving? I mean, I don't blame any man for trying to get the most money he can possibly get on the free agent market. But he's also part of a couple of players who have decided to go when maybe they could have found a way to stay. Mackenzie Alexander, J. Ron Curse, and of course Stefan Diggs is at the top of that list. He easily yeah. could have stayed and been paid handily and been a star player, and he forced his way out, essentially. So you have players that are kind of um, working their way out of this situation, and what does that say about either... The, the their view on the long term or what they thought the atmosphere was in Minnesota now, which has drastically changed from my feeling from 2017. Really, since midway through 2018, there has been a ton of tension in that building. I even want to say that it started against the Buffalo Bills when they completely botched that game at home, that, yeah. uh, that the pressure just ramped up. So where every tight game, it felt like they were uh, on edge, right, and feeling like this, this is the biggest game and this is going to determine all of our futures and then hot seat conversations and fired offensive coordinators and all those things start to come up so the atmosphere has very very much changed and i wonder if that has some guys saying you know what like i signed a if you're digs i signed a team-friendly contract to stay here because i thought we were going to be a super bowl contender for the next few years we kind of weren't really and now we're definitely not going to be, so we'll catch you next time. And I wonder if it's that way with Griffin, where he's looking at this and going, well, none of my friends who built a number one defense here years ago, yeah. they're not they're not here anymore. So I should really just try to be a mercenary for somebody that actually does have a chance to win. Well, and, and what's the fine print there? Do, do I trust that I have a quarterback who's going to lead us beyond yes. uh, to, to sort of the promised land? He's going to get us those extra wins. It's fascinating the reports out of Tampa Bay already that guys are begging uh, to go to Tampa Bay and want to be a part of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And that's what winning quarterbacks do. They they attract that level of talent because guys go, you know what? Even if I'm paid below market value, I think I can win there. And that's been what the Patriots have been able to do and all these great franchises. The The Vikings are in this really, really weird place where they're not really attracting that guy. They're not really attracting that guy who is going to give you more 
than what you're paying him because he wants to be part of a winning franchise. And I think that was even clear in the first two years of Kirk Cousins. But now it almost seems like the guys that you thought were just always going to be there and that you had to fill in sort of uh, the other pieces, but your core was intact. Now it seems like the core is falling apart. And why is that? It's because if you're Griffin and your digs, you don't believe you've got a guy at that position that can really lead you into the playoffs on a deep playoff run. And that's what it that's what it comes down to, to, to me, a level of trust in the operation and the guy who runs the operation on the field, at least, is Kirk Cousins. And I think that's troubling. Uh, Adam Thielen was hurt last year. Does he get healthy this year? You hope so. But you're going to need guys to, even if they play at Pro Bowl levels, you're still missing so much production from what from what you've lost. And then you're left with a quarterback that is pretty good sometimes, not all the times, not enough. Uh, doesn't make up for that one and a half uh, games that you're obviously losing right now, according to Pro Football Focus. So it, it just feels like they're in this weird place, man. And I wonder this, Collar, if you don't beat the Saints and you don't advance to the NFC Championship game, how does that affect expectations? Where are we sitting right now in terms of what we anticipated? Because that, to me, that one play, as much as it's the miracle in Minneapolis, in many ways it's to the Vikings' detriment because it created a certain expectation that they haven't been able to meet. And that, to me, is why we're in the situation we're looking at right now. I think that is 100% correct. Because think about it in an alternate reality where the Vikings go into New Orleans and let's say they play an average Vikings game that's a big one where they're kind of in it and kind of not and then they lose at the end. They lead a drive so they only lose by 7 instead of 14 um, with time expiring, right? That's yeah. what they usually do on the road in big games. That one was different, though they blew a lead and we always sort of, you know, don't look at that fact that they did yeah, exactly. blow a lead. And if yeah. they had not won a coin toss, maybe we're talking about a very different um, situation because we would have focused uh, a ton on how they blew the lead and how they let it go and how Cousins couldn't score extra points and everything else if they lose a coin toss. So life is funny like that. Yeah. I think that they make a change. I think that they make a coaching change, possibly a, f- a front office change. And I think the mentality of the team at that point would be, it's over. Our run is over. And now we have to tear it down. And now we have to completely rebuild it. And I'm only somewhat convinced that they would even sign Kirk Cousins to a contract extension at that point. If you had brought in a new front office and a new head coach after they lost, hypothetically, in New Orleans, do they say, okay, first order of business, extend Kirk Cousins? I'm not sure that they do. I think they would have wanted to see it play out. And now the Cousins extension, without Griffin coming back and and feeling like your defense won't possibly be where it was over the last few years, now it just feels weird that Kirk Cousins is extended because that was a very much, no, we're still going for a type of mode. And Griffin leaving is okay, but you don't have any players to do that. Yeah, I mean this is this is the homeowner that built this amazing deck, you know, and just spent so much time, a whole summer making it look perfect. But then you go in the house and there are all these repairs that need to be made. Like that, the, the Vikings are in this really weird place because you'd rather either be in like real rebuild mode or chasing a championship mode. Being somewhere in the middle is a really really terrible place to be in the NFL and it seems like that's where that that's where they sit 
And here's what we've learned in the last couple weeks. And, and as much as I could make fun of the DeAndre Hopkins trade, I mean, they, that was ridiculous. Uh, obviously, Stephon Diggs gets trade, traded for a, a package of picks. What we're finding out in the last couple weeks is more and more teams are betting on their quarterbacks. Yes, the Texans didn't get anything in return, anything you would expect them to get in return for Hopkins. But that's in part because the Texans see Deshaun Watson as a guy who's going to turn anybody they have into a great receiver. Now, I don't think that's a great calculation, but that's who they're investing in. Yeah. That's who Tampa Bay is investing in. If we get that position right Nothing else matters because that position is by far the most important position on the field. Look at all these running backs. Look, Melvin Gordon wanted $40, $50 million a year ago. He just got 13 guaranteed from the Broncos, right? Like we already seen this with running backs, but now you're seeing it with other guys at skilled positions that the quarterback has become so skillful and so important that you invest there first and foremost. You do whatever you have to do to get that right, and you feel like you can fill in around him. The Vikings are in this weird place where they just lost a critical piece that was obviously connected to Kirk Cousins' success, and now you're asking Cousins to do more in this weird in-between space. Are they a contender? Are they a team that should just be focusing on rebuilding for the future? But what's the future with Kirk Cousins? I just think it's, it is fascinating to me, man, that we went through a stretch where we thought we kind of knew where this team was headed Yes, going into New Orleans. Like, it felt like they beat New Orleans. We kind of got a sense of what we're going to be looking at here for the next couple of years, that the candle's still lit, right? That the, the fire's still burning a, a little bit. Now, I don't know where this team is going, Kyle. Where are they going? Like, what would you tell a fan right now who's going, what's the goal this year? Who is this team, and what's a realistic goal for what they can achieve in 2020? Now, if they had not signed Cousins to a contract extension, that would have been easy. We're looking toward the future. And that would have been exciting in a lot of yeah. ways, I think. Because Hunter is still extremely young. Great. And if you, even if you sign Harris to a contract extension, he'll be good for a few years. You could yep. draft a couple of rookie corners. Let's watch them grow. A rookie left tackle. Let's see what this guy can do. And even if you sign Delvin Cook to an extension, the numbers on running backs generally point to them being good till they're like 28. So he can even be good through the rebuild. Let's even just say under that scenario. Still young, doesn't have that much mileage on his body. So things to get excited about. A rookie wide receiver. Here comes a receiver or two. And who's going to develop? Who's going to be the digs that comes out of nowhere? That would be kind of exciting. And the most exciting thing in sports, who's your next quarterback, would yeah. be really fun for fans. In fact, the week where we talked about Jalen Hurts, everybody was oh, in man. debating Jalen Hurts, who probably won't even be good, but at least it was sort of a fun conversation of, hey, maybe you draft this guy and then see what he is the first year. When they signed Cousins to the extension, that brought everybody back to reality of, oh, okay, so they still view this in that window to win, but then everyone leaves on defense. So now, how... Like, what side are you on here? Are you rebuilding but with Cousins as your quarterback? Because that just doesn't really add up. Not that he's ancient or anything. It's just that you know exactly what you have there. Usually when you rebuild, what you're aiming for is to have a quarterback who steps in on that rookie contract that everybody wants, and now we see a team like Cleveland spending more money. They spent a bunch last year. They're spending even more this year to build up that roster around Baker Mayfield. 
And that's exciting for them on the rookie contract. Mahomes on the rookie contract, they're able to pay Sammy Watkins 14 times what he was worth when he yeah. came out in free agency, and he makes some big plays for them. But that's exciting because then you could spend all that uh, you know, to build the rest of the roster and watch the draft picks grow. But with your quarterback already set and getting paid a lot of money, including a $45 million cap hit in 2020, it makes it extremely difficult to sell fans on one side or the other. And that's why we've come on and said, you know, the 2021 plan is actually a good one. And the 2020 plan where you sign a bunch of savvy free agents to fill in these little holes, like, okay, you get a cheap nose guard, not a $27 million one. You get a, you know, a good cornerback who's kind of up and coming that maybe someone overlooked in free agency and you really show your brilliance there. I could be sold on that. But I don't know which way they think that they're going. Today seems to signify the direction was picked for you. But Cousins is under contract already. And that's the last thing you want. What you just said there, Kyler, you want to be able to decide where you're going. And Griffin and Dick took that away from you. Mm -hmm. They essentially said, no, no, we're not going to let you all dictate our fate. And Anthony Harris can do the same thing. We're going to tell you where we're headed. And and, you you just don't know. You know, you just don't know. They seem like they're kind of wandering in the wilderness of free agency right now, and that's a bad place to be. I mean, you look at teams in the past couple of years. San Francisco did a lot in the draft in the offseason to go from being a 4-12 and team to a Super Bowl team, added some key pieces, uh, obviously getting a number one pick like Nick Bosa helps. You look at what the Colts have done. Uh, went from being one of the worst teams in terms of protecting Andrew Luck to Andrew Luck having his best season uh, before he retired, getting Quentin Nelson, uh, the the safety was Darius Leonard, uh, you know, a lot of guys who came in and just changed that team. So you can go into an offseason and get the right pieces, uh, like you're talking about, get the right young talent in the draft, and, and you can change the trajectory of your team. Most of those teams were close to the bottom. I mean, things were bad. Uh, I think the year before Andrew Luck comes back, Jacoby Brissett, I believe, is sacked 50 times or something like that. Like, they're just, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're ridiculous things that happen. So it's easy to look at those situations and go, how much, how much worse could it get? You're four and 12 in San Fran. Everything looks amazing when you add some pieces and suddenly you're a winning team. That's not the Vikings. Like this is a playoff team. Like this is a team that we expect to be in the playoffs uh, to make a run to compete. So now being in that situation, having to rely on a couple of free agents here and there, some rookie talent, it's hard to see how they get better. And that is where I don't think anyone expected the team to be at this point in late March. You thought that maybe they'd go into the draft going, yeah, I don't know if they get significantly better, Collar. But you expect them to, at a minimum, maybe stay at the same level. Then you lose Diggs, and now you lose Griffin, and it's going, this could be going back to year one under Kirk Cousins, or worse, because you're missing some of the key pieces that were necessary even to go 8-7-1. and one. It's just a wild situation, man, that this team has found itself in yet again. Uh, I mean, considering 
Uh, I'll, I'll throw another '90s reference at you. It was all good just a week ago. It was all and then, good. And then just now, a week ago. how much changed? And that goes for our entire world, but yeah. also the Minnesota Vikings defense yeah. and, and the rest of the roster. It, it was a roster that was legitimately competitive to the point where people were picking them to win in San Francisco. We were doing position by yeah. position comparisons, and we were saying, "Well, you're just as strong there, and you're just as strong there, and you should be just as good as them." And then, basically, a week later is how it feels. Uh, all of a sudden, you are nowhere close to San no. Francisco position by position. Well, in part because you just don't even have players at those spots. But you can't tell me that you're going to draft Christian Fulton from LSU and he's going to be a great player right away. I mean, it takes guys time. And even if he is what all the other guys are, your second-round pick, your third-round pick. I mean, we were happy with Irv Smith this year for a rookie, for a second-round pick. Good first year, buddy. He caught like 30 passes. I mean, that is being a rookie in the NFL. There's two or three guys per year, and they're usually the highest draft picks who are difference makers. And you're still okay if you're looking toward the future and you're thinking, okay, in a couple of years, you you should be really good again. But look who's in charge at the front office, look who's in charge of the coach. Look at the coaching staff that uh, your age and my age don't add up to most of the coaches now on the yeah. staff, Myron. And so you go, uh, right, well, well, what does this mean? That you kept a, a coach who's been around a long time, who's in his 60s, and you have an offensive coordinator who's been around forever. You have now a defensive helper man who's like 70 years old and Dom Capers. Those things, they don't say 2021 or 2022. So it just feels like this disconnect of what maybe even was supposed to happen when they went into this offseason and what has happened. Yeah, and it feels like we don't have to look too far to see this scenario and, and how it's played out. Green Bay went through this a year ago. I mean, Green Bay had a, a, a franchise that was in a ditch. Uh, and they had a leader in Mike McCarthy who just wasn't going to change. And Mike McCarthy might do well in Dallas, but he was going to be Mike McCarthy, and there wasn't gonna, there wasn't a lot of nuance to Mike McCarthy. You understood what you were getting. And when you're winning, Collar, that's a great thing. When you can understand and expect, okay, this guy has been the same. His method works. Let's roll with it. But when that's not working then that's when you have to start questioning everything attached to that particular leader and you have to make a change. So to me, this feels like this is a franchise that in reality needs to make some major, major changes. And that's not going to happen right now, but it's, it's, it's like we're heading in that direction and we're heading in the direction where the Packers are headed and other franchises we're, we're also going. I think if you're a Houston Texans fan right now, you think that your GM uh, isn't, isn't very good at making good decisions, right? You, you don't know that your GM is the brightest guy uh, in the NFL, and you question his decision-making. I think if you're a Vikings fan, you feel stuck. And, and I almost would rather have a GM who's making bad decisions than feeling like I'm going to see the same thing over and over and over again and, and not having the confidence that you have leaders who are willing to make the necessary adjustments to make those improvements that you know we have to make. 
Uh, stuck is just a weird place, man. And stuck in not knowing where, which direction we're going to. You remember being on a family trip? You know, you get a flat tire. It's one thing to get a flat tire. It's another thing to get a flat tire in some small town and you're off the grid and you don't know where you're headed. Like, that's a, a really frustrating feeling. And every Vikings fan is justified in feeling that after what just happened today. If you're not headed toward the Super Bowl, or at least you think, going into the next season, or you're not headed toward, well, we're tanking for a top draft pick, yeah. or you're not headed toward, hey, let's just show strides and go 6-10 and 10 or 7-9, and nine, and we'll feel good about that because that's the right direction for our team to, to be developing players or whatever. If you're not in one of those spots, then the team that I brought up that it reminds me of uh, is the Cincinnati Bengals when they had six straight years of making the playoffs and every year got eliminated in the wild card round. Yeah. And then eventually guys left and the defense got old and they ended up winning six or seven games for the next three seasons before finally bottoming out. I think the Vikings are in very much danger unless there are big changes on the way of being that type of team that is still convinced, despite losing all these players, that we could just fix this hole, we could just patch this up, and we'll be fine. But you probably won't, as my article laid out. So let's take a break. I have a... Kirk Cousins question for you, and then I want you to rapid-fire react to stuff that's happened. Because the last time we talked, we are like, yeah, well, maybe the NFL will start free agency on time. I guess we'll see. And then uh, all hell has broken loose in a good way for us here on the show over the last week. Myron Metcalf of ESPN, Matthew Collar, you listen to Purple Daily. We'll be right back. Hey, Scornorth listeners, it's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever, like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. The American Red Cross is facing a severe blood shortage due to the COVID-19 outbreak. Healthy blood and platelet donors are asked to give now. Donating blood is safe and can help save lives. Please schedule an appointment by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit scorenorth.com keyword red to learn more and sign up to give blood. Over at scorenorth.com right now, Matthew Collar and Judd Zulgad have all the breakdown you could ever want of all the moves that are coming in from Minnesota Vikings free agency, including Andrew Sandejo leaving Cleveland, Everson Griffin saying goodbye to Minnesota, and how the Vikings are going to attempt to rebuild their secondary. That's over at scorenorth.com right now. It's all free. It's all from Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad. We also have Twins coverage from Derek Wetmore over there as well. Again, that's all free right now for you over at scorenorth.com. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Also, the uh, Minneapolis Animal Care and Control is waiving adoption fees. And uh, you know how much oh, wow. I love my adopted greyhound. So if you're looking for a pet, that seems like it's a good time to do it. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this. Uh, we're thinking about fostering a dog this summer. With oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, what do you think about that? I think that's a phenomenal idea. In fact, yeah. uh, I wouldn't have my greyhound if somebody else didn't do it. 
Um, okay. So she was fostered by some people who taught her kind of how to be a regular dog because she had been a race dog before that, and they named her and everything. And uh, so when we got her, it made it super easy to have that transition, uh, which would have been much, much harder if not for the foster parents. So I think that's okay. a great idea. Good to know. Man. But of course, guarantee you end up with the dog or cat that you foster. That's like, what I hear. That's probably my girls are saying it'd be temporary, but I don't trust them. <laughs> no. I feel like no. I feel like I would say, okay, it's time to make a decision. I feel like you know that that wouldn't go well. Yeah, if you, I said no. You probably end up with it full time. So, uh, but I implore people to do that. Um, also, the XFL has formally canceled its season. So, in case you oh, were man. wondering whether. You know, P.J. Walker was coming back. It does not seem that it is, but that does make it interesting now because he'll probably sign with someone in the NFL. All right, here is a Kirk Cousins question for you in relation to Everson Griffin announcing that he is leaving the Minnesota Vikings, which just feels so weird. I mean, for the longest time, the guy has been a staple of this great defense, and since I got here, I mean, the first guy that you're sort of impressed by when you look at him like whoa and then you watch him on tape is everson griffin when you think of this vikings defense and to have him gone it feels like the heart taken out of this defense in some ways if i told you before the offseason started so go back to like end of mahomes throws the touchdown it's over and uh you know the super bowl ends and then i tell you yeah, a few months from now, you will have no defensive players outside of oh. Daniil Hunter, Harrison Smith, maybe Anthony Harris, but probably not, and Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr. That's it. That's your whole defense. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Stephon Diggs, <clears throat> yeah, he's traded for a draft yeah. pick. Um, at that point, would you, Myron, have said, you know what they should really do is sign Kirk Cousins to a contract extension? And I'm sorry if I've said this in a leading way, but the answer <laughs> seems obvious to me that you wouldn't. No, you, you wouldn't, and... I think you'd be shocked. Not by Diggs, though. Like, I mean, I don't know that the Diggs thing would have surprised me that much. Just because we've been there to some degree, you've heard the rumblings, uh, maybe he's not happy, but the defensive pieces, that would that would have been shocking. Like, wait a minute, you're losing everybody? How, how? You know? So you definitely wouldn't sign Kirk Cousins to an extension under those circumstances because why do you have to? Like, like, what is the, what are you gaining when you, when instability is already here and you know you're going to be in a position where you have to make some significant moves here in 2021? Like, what do you gain by signing to him to an extension if you understand that that's what's going to happen with your team, Kyler? I mean, it, it would have been, it would have been illogical and ludicrous to, to make that decision if you had known uh, that the defense was going to lose those key pieces and you were going to lose Diggs. And this is why I think that they thought it was going to go differently because they signed Cousins to create cap space, which you couldn't sign the guys anyway. And, and they <laughs> left and you were forced to trade Stephon Diggs, which is just not a win for you if you're yes. trying to win in 2020. It's not a win to take one of the best players in the NFL and send him out for the 22nd pick and a handful of other picks. It's just that that's not good for immediate victory. Probably isn't good for long-term victory either. But no. uh, it's victory it, in general. It's it, help no, victory no. In general. Getting rid of a player that good usually doesn't yeah. work out well for anybody. Um, but is, 
I look at it as if you know that you're going to have to rebuild the entire team, then you just let this thing play out, and maybe you even draft a quarterback. So I was thinking, racking my brain for examples of this, and I think this one is relevant. The Philadelphia Eagles with Sam Bradford. So they get Sam Bradford out of desperation to get the most out of the last year of Chip Kelly, which, of course, it doesn't go super well, and Chip Kelly ends up fired. But they went out and got a quarterback from somewhere else. They signed Bradford. He comes in. He actually plays really well. You look back at that season, especially the second half of the season for Sam Bradford in Philly, I mean, it's good. But they looked at it and they said, well, this guy's not our long-term quarterback, though, because of the knee, of course, and that's not a Kirk Cousins issue, but also because it's Sam Bradford. Like, There's probably a ceiling on what you can do with Sam Bradford, and the cost when his contract was coming up was going to be pretty significant. So what they decided to do was move on, get Carson Wentz, bring him in, and then rebuild the rest of the roster around him. So it was already a decent team roster-wise that Sam Bradford went, I don't know, 7-8 and eight or 8-8 eight and eight with. Um, but then they hand that team over that's in pretty good shape to Carson Wentz and then build around Wentz, and a couple of years later they're in the Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it doesn't always work out that way, but I think it's an example of a team that got a mercenary quarterback who was very good at football but said – Nah, we need to have the rookie quarterback contract here if we're really going to take this to the next level. And I don't think that Bradford can really do it. If they had taken that route, if they knew they were going to have to rebuild so many pieces on this defense, and even now on the offensive line at wide receiver, then I think I think it would have been a route endorsed by most Vikings fans to just take it yeah. into 2020, see what happens, and then rebuild it back up from there. Yeah, let me just say, I would watch a documentary about healthy Sam Bradford in the NFL and what he did. Uh, He he was like, I'm an old wrestling fan, man. And he, he was like... The reigning intercontinental champion, never, never the champ, the world champ, but just a guy who could always play at that level when healthy. And he just helped a lot of teams that all seemed to be in the same situation and they turned to Sam Bradford. I don't know who Sam, who that Sam Bradford is now, but yeah, ideally you would have someone like that. At the end of the day, considering the situation, it feels like this is something we would all agree on right now, right, Kyler? You're paying too much money for that quarterback in this situation. Is that accurate? Oh, of is course. That, yeah, of right? course. Well, that, and that's kind of my point is that if you're a rebuilding team, this actually would have been like if the Jets had signed Cousins. Remember, it was Jets yeah. and Vikings, but the Jets were trying to rebuild their roster. If they signed Kirk Cousins, it wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense at the time. That's the point is it's not even about Cousins as a player. It's about where you are as a team does not scream sign a 30 something year old quarterback to a massive contract. It did a week ago. But now it doesn't. In 2018, it made so much sense. You, I'm not saying that I completely endorsed it, but like it made a lot of sense to bring in Kirk Cousins and pay him and, and drop him into a roster that had just been to the NFC Championship. I got that line of thinking. But signing him to an extension now is like signing him, essentially, right? It's like yeah. getting him as a free agent. But you wouldn't do that. I mean, if this was somebody else, if I told you this was somebody else and not Kirk Cousins that they had signed for this much money, another you know so-so quarterback. Let's say it's Jared Goff. Like they traded oh, for yeah. Jared Goff. Would you would that right? Like would you have no, traded for Jared Goff? Now no. it sounds ridiculous, but you kind of did that. But I think we also got to go back a couple years and talk about who we thought Kirk Cousins was. Right? I think 
at at his his ceiling, we thought that Kirk Cousins could be the answer for a team that appeared to be contending, right? And, and that's yes. a smart thing to do um, because it seemed like he was the answer, a step above Case Keenum, and he could get you there. The one thing that wasn't discussed maybe enough was what was the harm in potentially knowing Kirk Cousins' history and that there weren't really any guarantees and having a young, cheap, young court, rookie quarterback right there. And I'll go back to Lamar Jackson. I know nobody saw it. Uh, a lot of you saw it. I mean, you uh, talked about yeah, Lamar Jackson. I was going to say, um, we talked ad nauseum about Lamar Jackson, <laughs> but go on with your point. But but imagine if you make that decision. I'm pimping that home run forever, by the way. I'll never I mean, stop telling people about I mean, how much I love Lamar Jackson. And you were right. And imagine if you got that guy. You know, the Ravens were in a similar situation, right? Yes. yes. They had Joe Flacco, who had won a Super Bowl, and it was clear he wasn't the guy he'd been a couple years earlier. So you get this young guy at the back of the first round, and you go, guess what? If he turns out to be great, amazing. If not, we didn't spend that much on him. Uh, I mean, mean, first-round pick's a big deal, but at least you got Flacco, who can carry you the rest of the way until you find a replacement. And then they make the move, and he's right there ready to go. With the Vikings, you go, there's no one right there, and you don't know where that quarterback might be uh, if you are able to attract another guy who's even in Kirk Cousins' league. Like, look at look at the market right now. There are so many quarterbacks mm-hmm. on the market who are available uh, who have sort of been able to pick and choose their spots. They have so much power in, in this current situation. But I don't know that if the Vikings had an opening right now, if there's a guarantee they'd get one of those top-caliber guys. They're just... They're just in a tough spot, man, and you need Kirk Cousins to be great at the end of the day uh, because that's what you've invested in, and that's your only real hope. And, and I don't know. I mean, how many teams have really gotten that much better through the draft? Like, is the draft an overrated idea in terms of teams being able to use the draft solely to make massive improvements? I mean, history suggests that that's not a great idea, right? In it, most situations? It is and it isn't. Um, if you have a 2015 draft on your hands, then it is. Yes. But if you don't, then it isn't. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. it's how lucky do you get? Because So here's the reality of the draft. And I'd love people to do this for themselves. Because now we have uh, ways to save files and keep them forever and things like this. So do a draft sim and then email it to yourself. And then go look at it three years from now. or uh, Go look at it every year. And just... See how much better or worse you are than the Minnesota Vikings at drafting. My guess is it's not that different. And they have to know who the players are. They have to know their fits. I'm not saying like blow up a scouting department or anything like that. What I'm saying is you've got the list. You know who the guys are. You know what their skills are. And then you're just hoping. You're just thinking maybe this works out for you. Maybe the draft board falls the right way. Maybe, you know, Stefan Diggs ends up in the fifth round and you get supremely lucky. But for the most part, if you were saying, can you count on the draft to save your butt? Like, no, not really. It yeah. has to go really well for you. And that's what happened over these last few years. It went really, really stupid well for the Vikings to get all <laughs> these great players. But is it going to happen again? And does your coach and general manager feel like they even have the time to let that play out because it might take two drafts. It might take three drafts uh, before you really get all these players filled up again at these positions, and they don't feel like they have time for that. And this was another question that came to my mind earlier this week, and now I think the answer is even more clear, that if your coach and general manager were on 10-year contracts and they were 100% locked in job security, 
Would they have signed Cousins? And how would they have approached this from the very beginning? I can't yeah. see a way that they re-sign Cousins to an extension that soon. Now, if he goes to the Super Bowl in 2020 with a ragtag Different roster, story. then great, man. He was amazing. But I think you you wouldn't have jumped right away to make it one of your first moves on Monday to sign him to a contract extension to desperately create cap space. Well, and especially in this market, too. I mean, I don't know. It's Now you've got Zimmer and Spielman making decisions uh, that they that someone else might have to live with, right? Uh, that that's the concern now is you bring in a new regime next summer and, and maybe they look at Cousins and go, okay, that's not the guy we want at that position. And, and now, now you're scrambling. Certainly, I think Zimmer and Spielman think, okay, it's hard to find a good quarterback, which it is. It, it is difficult to find a good quarterback in the NFL. I mean, this year is a bit different. The fact that Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady and guys like Winston who threw for 5,000 yards, but – you know, throwing 30 picks that guys like that might not even have a job, a starting job in the league next year. Cam Newton trying to figure out if he's going to have a starting job. This this feels like a rare pool of talent. This isn't the norm. What seems to be more normal is to have a guy like Kirk Cousins maybe being the big fish uh, of a free agent pool when it comes to quarterback. Uh, and that's just a gamble. That's always going to be a gamble. And that's the situation that seems like they might be headed toward all over again. Kirk Cousins doesn't work out. You've signed him to the extension. You replace Zimmer and Spillman, and now you're doing this dance all over again, man. And I, I will say this: I'm someone that's you know Pope Vikings fans, being from Wisconsin, growing up a Packers fan. I, I understand that as Packers fans, you know they get to kind of do a little bit of that. But being here for as long as I've been, like I understand the frustration with this fan base, and 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 it's like watching this movie play over and over again. And I can understand how you would feel like this is all unfair. Like, why is everybody else getting better? Like, why is why does Teddy Bridgewater get to go to Carolina and Tom Brady's going to Tampa Bay and all these other moves are being made where teams are getting better this offseason, but it looks like we're getting worse. That's got to be a frustrating feeling, Colin. I also think from the bigger perspective of Vikings fans that if you are, let's say, 35 years old, then you have seen this play out just over and over and Too over many again. Times. Right? You go back to quarterback instability of the early '90s. What do they have? Great pass rushers, exactly. you know, and they, they've got a, a good running back. Or even you know, with Randy Moss, you get really, really close, but only really, really close once in '98, uh, and then the '41 donut. I, I have a tough time considering that really, really close. And it was still. Your quarterback play just isn't quite enough. Your coach just isn't quite good enough in some cases. You, you know, you get so close with Favre, and that was really your one big shot. But it's mostly outside of the Favre year, outside of '98. It's mostly this kind of thing where you're going. I don't know if the quarterback can really get you there. And yeah, you had your shot with a couple of seasons where your defense was great, but what you know was it really? Uh, were you really a, a real Super Bowl contender that year? And in the Zimmer era. There's been one year where you were, and other than that, you never really were. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's why I look at it as if you're a Vikings fan and all you want is just for your team to be a real Super Bowl contender for the first time since I don't know when, um, it, it does have to be hard because when people on the radio who are breaking it down talk about rebuilds, like, really? Another rebuild? Didn't we do this yeah. just a few years ago? Do I have to do this again? But it kind of feels like you do. And here's a crazy stat, though, because you mentioned... And now, of course, Stephon Diggs is gone, so this changes the math a little bit. But you mentioned about the quarterback instability. And 
What's interesting to me now is how much supporting casts are impacting, and this includes offensive coordinator, impacting quarterback play. And yeah. this, this would be your argument against the Cousins signing to go along with just the where you're at is the Vikings from 2016 to 2019 ranked fifth in the NFL in team quarterback rating. So all the quarterbacks they've had, Bradford, Keenum, and then Kirk Cousins, are only behind New Orleans, Breeze, Kansas City, Mahomes, Atlanta, Matt Ryan, and Seattle, Russell Wilson. Those are the only teams, and and they're basically tied with Tom Brady in New England, (laughs) the only teams with better team quarterback rating. So I guess I would say... Well, if you've got the right system and you had the right receivers, maybe you should have kept one. Um, you could have looked forward to dropping another quarterback into this situation and giving them something really good. And instead, you're going to stick with the same guy who's really expensive and you will continue to have the same problems because yeah. more guys will need to get paid. Like, yeah, you'll have cap space down the road, but whoever you uh, have drafted recently, if Mike Hughes becomes good, you'll have to pay him soon. If Irv Smith becomes good, you'll have to pay him soon. Uh, Brian O'Neill is going to be up just like that. So, you know, they expect to have to pay Anthony Harris. I mean, no one thought that he would be a guy worth right. the kind of money he's yes. been commanding now, you know. Right. People will come out of nowhere that you'll have to ultimately uh, end up paying. So, you know, you kind of end up still with a lot of the, the same um, problems that you are having now if you stick with him. So, it... I don't know how to get them out of it, aside from just look toward 2021 and try to really rebuild everything you can then to take essentially one more shot with Kirk Cousins is kind of the place you're in. So would you rather have drafted a quarterback this year or drafted it next year after Cousins leaves and then taken multiple shots during that quarterback's rookie deal or taken one more shot with Cousins in 2021? I think the answer there is, is pretty clear with the position you're in at this very moment, which I don't think that they thought they were going to be in. Isn't it amazing how fast this league can change? Like, it, it, it's it's fascinating to me. Like, NBA free agency is all the talk, and social media goes crazy whenever these moves are made in the NBA. But, like, the NFL legitimately just changes in, in a matter of a couple of months. And the things we were saying a couple of months ago that made it sound pretty smart, because I think something you said really resonated with me in this idea of, we were talking about them beating the 49ers yes, and how yes. on paper, on paper, that wasn't crazy. Yeah. Like, that wasn't like this far-fetched idea. And here we are going, oh, my goodness, is this an eight-win team? Is this a seven-win team? How much more important is Dalvin Cook now, though? Like, not just his production, but his health going into this season. Like, you need him maybe more than ever without Diggs, right? If you think you're going to win this year, and, I mean, even down the road, like you need playmakers for Kirk Cousins if he's going to be your guy for 2021, and that's where you're really looking at winning next. You you have to have them, and yeah. he was such a great security blanket for him in the past game, which is why I think the math is a little bit different with Cook from other running backs. But yeah, no, I mean, if you're Delvin Cook right now, you feel like you have a ton of leverage to be able to say, uh, "You guys got any players? You might want to keep me because <laughs> you don't have anybody." Um, yeah. But I wonder about in that building how realistic they really are about where they're at or if they are in denial. And I'll give you another team that we can look at and say, yeah, they're not in a really good spot, but you're kind of looking in the mirror to some extent, is the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, man. They were on my list. Cut Todd Gurley. You know, like take a huge dead cap hit, just like the Vikings are. Players, 22 million or something? 20 million, I think. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And and then they re-sign Andrew Whitworth. And, like, he's a great player, but... 
What's the yeah. what's the point? I mean, you, yeah. you trade for Jalen Ramsey when your odds to make the playoffs were less than twenty percent or something in that ballpark. Like, what what were you thinking doing that? Trading away your first round picks, just being completely unrealistic about where you were at because you made the Super Bowl the year before feels very much like the Vikings' decision making signing Jared Goff to a massive contract when he's really more of a product of what's around him. I mean, it just it feels well, like those two teams are kind of looking in the mirror. I mean, Philadelphia wins the Super Bowl, and, you know, what are they right now still trying to fix some stuff? It, it seems like it's very hard. It's much easier to open that window than to keep it open when it comes to contending. Yes, uh, I totally Because agree. we thought that Sean McVay and the Rams were going into an era, Colin. Yeah. Forget, yeah. A, forget a window. Like, we thought that we were going into the Rams-Sean McVay era uh, of competing for multiple Super Bowls, and uh, here we are. Uh, getting rid of Todd Gurley after after that terrible contract. Just so many things. It's just so hard to compete consistently in this league. It's so hard, which is why you have to make those smart choices and decisions uh, while you have that window. And I thought 2017 was the start of something for the Vikings. We're going to look back and go, ah, we had 2017. Some things could have gone right in 2018. 2019, you play the 49ers, like that's your shot. Yep. And we could be talking about this a decade from now, of that being that three-year window where you had your chance to make your move and you just didn't do it. And now you're waiting another decade to figure out how to get back to that situation. And we should know that from Vikings history, that they go to the NFC Championship like once a decade. (laughs) And and it really demonstrates that if you don't have Brett Favre, and even, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has only got the one Super Bowl only, but if you don't have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or one of those quarterbacks, then you probably get one shot a decade. And if you don't reach the Super Bowl when you get that shot, then... What do you do after that? It's very, very hard to stay relevant. And last year, they pried that window open, I felt like, with a very easy schedule. It was one of the easiest schedules in the entire NFL with incredibly good health. With a little bit of luck in, in like your special teams, you make all your field goals and things like that. And Kirk Cousins plays a lot better than he had the year before. That was your shot. Because if you're going to tell me that Cousins is going to play better now, I mean, that's a pretty tough sell without his top receiver. So this is, it's fascinating to me, Myron, because now they have painted themselves into a corner that they have to try and get out of. And we'll learn a lot about how they view the future. Like, could this be the last year for this regime or should it have been? Um, We're going to be asking all these questions as we go forward. So great stuff, Myron. Appreciate it. By the way, you're invited next week. We're around. We're doing the show. We'll still be on. I'll jump in. I'll jump in. Okay. Man. When you I got, got, I got because thoughts. I got opinions. There, are, because of this big news, a lot of takes left on the table here, like Tom yeah. Brady to Tampa Bay, and I just feel like by next Friday we could be talking about the end of days. So we need to get that definitely. in. So we'll connect. You'll definitely be uh, dropping in for more takes uh, next week. So take it easy, man. All right, brother. All right. When we come back from Pro Football Focus, Ben Lindsay is going to break down this. Uh, news that Everson Griffin is leaving, and I want to get his opinion on how good the Tampa Bay Bucks are with Tom Brady. We'll also talk to Arif Hassan of The Athletic as well, coming up at 3.30. We'll be back here on Purple Daily. Minnesota sports fans, we know you're hunkering down, and we here at Score North are with you every step of the way through these unprecedented times. Got something to say, something to get off your chest? Leave us a mic drop message on the Score North mobile app. You can, you may even hear it played back on your favorite Score North show on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, or the free Score North mobile app. 
TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I think our, our situation is the right one for him. And uh, we expect him to be back. I think he wants to be back. And so, you know, those kind of things usually work, work its way out. All right, that was Mike Zimmer. We're back here on Purple Daily, and we were Everson Griffinless on the show for the first time since the show has existed and since I've been in Minnesota. And maybe that's why it has hit me kind of weird today, because Linval Joseph leaving, Xavier Rhodes leaving, you sort of felt like they were coming to the end of being good at football, and especially Rhodes. But with Griffin, he was so good, especially in the first half of last year, and him choosing to go elsewhere, announcing on Instagram today, that feels like, wow, all right, there's nobody left here. And to discuss, along with other NFL things going on, of which there are many, Ben Lindsay from Pro Football Focus. What's going on, Ben? Doing well. How are you doing? Um, things are just weird. Like, life is weird, and Everson Griffin not being here is weird. And uh, so trying to process all of that, Ben, give me your take on the Vikings' defense having very few things on it and what they should do, the approach that they should take to rebuild their secondary and now um, a major part of their defensive line. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely weird if you're looking at the defense. No Rhodes, no Joseph, no Griffin. Those are guys who have sort of been staples. Um, But they also have very little at the cornerback position now. And I think that's where they have to look first, uh, especially after not re-signing Trey Williams, not re-signing McKenzie Alexander. They're going to need some help there. Even if guys like Holton Hill step up in a bigger role and produce, uh, they're still going to need some more bodies. So I think that's where they have to look first. All right, let's talk about the different plans for rebuilding the secondary, because even though today's biggest news is that Everson Griffin is headed out, I think we have a good idea that uh, Afadi Adenabo is going to step into that and maybe a rotation there. Maybe they sign a veteran heading into camp, if there is camp, and uh, maybe draft somebody. They always draft defensive ends. So we kind of understand the plan there, but at defensive back, we don't really. So I wrote for our website, scorenorth.com, a couple of different ways they could go. One of them would be to trade Anthony Harris, get more draft capital, and just draft every defensive back you can find. So, you know, maybe the first round is two defensive backs back-to-back, which isn't even a bad idea. Or they could try to fill it out with veterans who are still out there on the market, like uh, Jonathan Joseph, Tremaine Brock, those type of guys, Nikel Roby-Coleman. Or they could get wild, Ben, and they could do what your cohort, Eric Eager, wants them to do, which is to trade Harrison Smith, which, by the way feels less crazy at this moment than it did a day ago uh, with Everson Griffin now leaving. So give me give me which one of those options you like. Yeah, so I would not I would not want to trade Anthony Harris. Um, over the last couple of years, if you look at the at the grading, Harris has actually been the better player than Harrison Smith. He's right up there near the, near the top of the safety rankings in PFF grade, PFF war. And I think what they should do is sort of look and try to attack free agency a little bit here on some guys that are still out there. Maybe a Nicole Roby Coleman or a Ronald Darby, guys that might be able to come a little bit cheaper. Um, and then if a team comes in and gives a good offer for someone like Harrison Smith, I'd be open to that too. Uh, 
he's still a good player. But if you're choosing between Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, I'm choosing Anthony Harris. Well, and a big part of that is just the age, the amount that they cost. Uh, you could structure a contract for Anthony Harris that would be a little more favorable early on. But I will tell you that the internet does not like this idea <laughs> that yeah, yeah. that we uh, we posted a clip of us talking about it the other day, and there are. Uh, let me look uh, what we're up to for responses. Uh, it's it's basically me getting ratioed for even bringing it up. That's how popular Harrison Smith is. But maybe yeah. maybe a day later with Everson Griffin gone and Stephon Diggs gone on the offensive side and, and Joseph and Rhodes and Waynes and Alexander, the whole defense, then uh, it doesn't feel as crazy for that to happen. So uh, I want to ask you about something that Myron Metcalf of ESPN and I were talking about before you popped on was just about the direction of this team with a quarterback who is under contract and a little bit of what do you do now? You don't have a roster that is going to pump Kirk Cousins up to be a Super Bowl quarterback. You don't have that anymore like you might have argued you had in 2018. So if you have a veteran quarterback under contract and a roster full of holes, is it a better approach to trade some of your draft capital to try and get back together uh, in 2020 and be good? Or is it a better approach to still play the long game, even if Kirk Cousins uh, next year takes a step back? Yeah, I think I think trading the draft capital to get contenders right now, like pieces that will fill into the contender right now, is probably not the way to go about it. Uh, just because I think the Vikings are sort of in a weird middle ground with Cousins. He's a guy who's an above-average quarterback, uh, even if people don't like to say it at times. But he's also someone who it's tough to really see him jumping into that elite tier, a guy who's going to drive them to the Super Bowl regardless of the talent around him. Mm -hmm. So I I think playing the long game, continuing to build the team, rather than pushing all in on a team that might not yeah, that that just digs them into a deeper hole if things don't go the way they play. Talking with senior writer for Pro Football Focus, Ben Lindsay, and I also want to uh, just give a quick shout-out to Matt Stopsky, Pro Football Focus, booked us guests all week, and we're getting uh, Solomon Wilcox next week, too. So really appreciate him doing that. And it's pretty much because all of you at PFF are stuck at home, so you have nothing to do <laughs> but talk football with us. Um, <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I've been, I've been locked up all week. Which, good. I mean, that's what you should be doing. But um, social interaction here, you need a little bit of it somehow. So let's uh, socially interact then about some of these other moves in the NFL. Tom Brady to the Tampa Bay Bucks had a long debate on the station yesterday of how much of an upgrade it was from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady. Ben, my take is it's massive. I mean, when your quarterback is throwing 30 picks, you're giving your defense no shot whatsoever to stop the other team from scoring. And Tom Brady, if there's one thing he could still do, it's protect the football. Even if he does that, I think they're at worst a playoff team next year. And if he even plays a little bit like the old Tom Brady, then you're talking about being a Super Bowl contender. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. If you look at Brady's numbers last year, uh, they sort of overstate his decline, right? He had, I think, 6.8 yards per attempt, a little over 60% completion percentage. But that was on an offense where he had no one to throw the ball to outside of Edelman and James White out of the backfield. The receivers could not get separation. Uh, he had some of the highest percentage of his targets going to receivers in tight coverage in the NFL. So you replace those guys with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, 
OJ Howard, if he can even get back to what he showed a couple years ago, that's a massive upgrade for Brady in terms of weapons. And I think Brady himself is an upgrade over Winston just as far as accurately getting the ball out to those guys. Yeah, I agree. And getting it out quickly when he has an opportunity to do so is of big value, too, because Jameis Winston, something that never gets talked about with him because he throws so many interceptions is that he gets sacked and he fumbles a lot, too. And and, and that is just as damaging, if not more damaging than a pick. If you throw a pick. 30 yards down the field, well, a lot of times it's sort of like half a punt. Um, but when it comes to getting sacked 47 times last year, and I'm looking for his number of fumbles, but I assume it was a lot for Winston. Yeah. So just a turnover machine. He basically plays like 1980s type of football where he's just launching it down the field and fumbling all the time uh, and so forth. So well, I think it's a really great setup for Tom Brady to step into, and it it almost makes me think, Ben, that um, Brady looked to the analytics people and said, what do you think, what what team is the strongest for me to just drop myself into? And I think a lot of us would have said, yeah, the Tampa Bay Bucks are really set up here. I think that their defense can be even better than it was last year. Yeah, their defense definitely improved towards the tail end of last year. Guys at cornerback like Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean really stepped up. And I think they're in a position to keep improving next year and just overall have a really solid team. Yeah, for sure. We're talking with Ben Lindsay of Pro Football Focus. Uh, let me ask you about running backs. Um, Steve Palazzolo was on yesterday, and we talked a little bit about Delvin Cook in an extension. Um, we, Melvin Gordon not getting paid very much by the Denver Broncos. Todd Gurley gets cut. Where are we at with this running back world? I mean, will the NFL change its stance on running backs, or will we still see these big contracts being signed? Because I I think that there is a little bit of going too far the other way. And tell me if you disagree. We allow that on the show. But there is there is somewhat of going too far the other way and saying, like, you should just never give anyone any money ever. I'm like, well, I mean, if you're in the right position and you have the right player, um, maybe it can work out for you. And uh, Delvin Cook might be that exception because of his impact in the passing game. But you could tell me if you disagree and where you think we are with running backs. Yeah, I don't think that. I think saying maybe never pay a running back any kind of big. Well, I wouldn't pay a running back big money, but it's saying like never give guys uh, reasonable deals on their second contract might be taking a little bit too far. But I do think the NFL is starting to change how they view the position. Uh, just this offseason, you see Derrick Henry get a franchise tag rather than a long-term deal. You see David Johnson get traded, uh, which that's a whole other thing with the Houston Texans not being on board <laughs> with this discussion. Yes. But, uh, uh, you see Jordan Howard is the fourth leading rusher in the NFL since 2016. He got two years, $10 million. Gurley got one year, $5 million after he was cut. Devontae Freeman was cut. Um, the NFL is starting to sort of recognize the value at the position. Um, they're not totally there yet. I still think a deal like the one that Melvin Gordon just got doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially given the Broncos already have Philip Lindsay. They already have Royce Freeman on the roster. It's just kind of a weird fit. But I do think the NFL is starting to recognize that the running back position doesn't have the value that a lot of people thought it did. As an offshoot to that, what do you think that Carolina should do with Christian McCaffrey? Because... That feels different when a guy is going to catch 100 passes out of the backfield, but maybe you don't see it that way. I actually think in Carolina's case, McCaffrey is a little bit different. He's 
when it comes to running backs, he's one of the more valuable running backs in the league because of his receiving ability and his versatility. He can even line up at slot wide uh, and run routes there. But for Carolina specifically, the best avenue is probably to trade him just because his value is at an all-time high. They're rebuilding, um, clearly, not looking to have much success next year. And if they are a bad offense next year, that's going to affect McCaffrey and his value. So it might be smart to trade him right now when they have uh, when they can get the best return. All right, Ben, two more things. First, I want you to tell me who the best value-free agent is, because I saw you tweet about this earlier, and I've made a list myself of guys that the Vikings could go after. Is there somebody still out there that you really love for the free agency? And it doesn't have to be necessarily a Vikings fit, but someone that you're surprised is still a free agent. Yeah, I, I actually think a lot of the the wide receivers, it's kind of surprising that no one has gone after, not necessarily value, but Robbie Anderson, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Rashad Perriman, those guys can help teams right now. And there are a lot of teams that still have needs at wide receivers, so it's kind of interesting to see that their market hasn't been there yet. Uh, and on the defensive side of things, I think, I mean, Vinny Curry's been one of my favorite guys at defensive end on the value side, the guy who consistently gets pressure and has throughout his career as a rotational pass rusher. And Ronald Darby, even at cornerback, we know coverage is volatile. It's up and down from year to year, and he was pretty solid his first four years, had a really bad year last year. But there's a good chance that he can bounce back, and a team that would sign him to a low-dollar contract could benefit. Yeah, well, the Vikings might have to be one of those teams since Everson Griffin has gone elsewhere. And uh, last thing, I would just want you to tell me your favorite move so far. It doesn't even have to be best value or analytics, but just something that you're really interested in. And I'll give you an example for mine. It's been overlooked because of Tom Brady, but I kind of can't wait to see Phillip Rivers with the Indianapolis Colts. It's a good team. He's going to get to play indoors, and I would love to see how much is left there from a team that could be competitive in the AFC South. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I like the Rivers move as well. Um, I wrote something earlier in the week about how getting him makes the Colts ASU South favorites, and I got uh, destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) But he's a massive upgrade over Brissett, even if he's only how he played last year, which was a down year for him. And if he gets back to how he was two seasons ago, uh, it's a huge upgrade. But I think for my favorite, sort of how does it work out, how does it fit, I really like the Chargers signing Chris Harris. Yeah, they no, have a, a good loaded one. secondary already um, with Casey Hayward, Desmond King, Derwin James, and Nasir Adderley coming back from injury. That just gives them five really, really good uh, secondary players that they can throw out there. And it should be interesting. should at least give the Chiefs some pause. It's not going to totally stop them, but... Uh, should make things interesting. Well, Ben, save all of those responses so when they win the AFC South, you can just pimp that home run and dance on everyone's grave. So uh, that's. <laughs> I'll make um, sure to do that. Yeah, we are very petty on this show, extremely petty. So you're allowed to do that on the internet. Uh, ben Lindsay, you can follow him at PFF underscore Lindsay, L I N S E Y. You do great stuff for PFF and uh, happy to have you back on the show, Ben. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep, for sure. Take care. Um, Love that move for the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, if they could just trade for Cam Newton, then they'll be a really fun team. Uh, We got about 
10 minutes here, and then we're going to get Arif Hassan from The Athletic, who's always got you know good perspective on stuff. So we're going to talk with him about Griffin leaving, and uh, Arif has been writing about this team a long time. I have been here for four seasons, and Everson Griffin is just such a huge part of all of those seasons. So we want to play a little game to sort of... Like, uh, say goodbye to the Vikings defense that I've covered. I mean, it's been the same guys. They even changed facilities, and it's still the same guys, uh, you know, year after year after year. And then now it's not. And now there's going to be a bunch of faces that I won't recognize um, as uh, I go back into the locker room, whenever the heck that might be. I really don't know at this point. But uh, to say goodbye... Jonathan, you have pulled up random games yep. since I arrived here in 2016, and you are going to, with some NFL music underneath... Tune in and smell the... Oh, wrong button. I still like it, though. Uh, <laughs> tune in and smell the football. <laughs> um, so you're going to present me with a game, and I'm yes. going to try, without looking, to tell you as much as I possibly can about that game, and we'll see how much I get right. All right. And feel free to ask follow-ups and quizzes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to bring you back to week 15 of the 2016 season. Vikings hosting the Colts. Okay. Andrew oh, Luck. Of course. I, this is this one's easy. Uh, 34 to 6 was the final score. Indianapolis won that one easy. There's one reason I bring this one up because one of your favorite players of all time is in this game and features heavily for the Colts. Eric Swoop? No. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. he's in there. Eric Swoop. Yes. I'm going to guess. Eric Swoop, I think, had. Let's go. F- Four catches for 62 yards and maybe a touchdown? You are incredibly close. <laughs> Three catches, 50 yards, one touchdown. Yes, wow, it was over well Chad done. Greenway. I remember it quite well. <laughs> um, no, the reason I bring it up, Frank Gore, 26 rushes, oh, 101 Frank yards. Oh, Frank Gore, of course. No touchdowns, yes, yes. though. But. Now, let me tell you more about that game, uh, and you can ask follow-ups. Adrian Peterson returns from his torn meniscus in that mm-hmm. game. Now, remember, Peterson could have come back earlier, but decided to lengthen his career by having the full surgery. Now, we made fun of him then because we said, what What do you mean? How much longer do you think you're going to play? <laughs> and he's still in the league. Yeah, so sure. I guess old takes exposed on all of us for that one. But Peterson gets a handoff on the first play of the game and then goes nowhere. And the second game, play of the game, I think they throw a swing pass to him. Or yep. it's in reverse order. But I think he gets a handoff first and goes nowhere. Then they throw a swing pass to him and he goes nowhere. No, you're correct. Adrian Peterson, yeah. first play of the game for the Vikings. Two-yard two middle run. And then the second play for the Vikings pass complete. Short right to Adrian Peterson for one for, yard. For one yard. Yes. yes. And let's see. What else from that one? Uh, I remember them being up 34-3. to and the Vikings opt for a field goal. And I want to say it was something totally reasonable, like a 43- or 46-yard field goal, and everyone had left, and they play the yeah. Skull Vikings song, and it just echoes. Ooh, through. that's a sad sound. Yeah, it is. All right, move on to the next game. I nailed that one. Next game, <laughs> week two of the 2017 season. Vikings okay. are at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, okay. okay. The punter threw a pass in this game. That was the reason why <laughs> I was bringing it up. I knew it. I knew it. Ryan Quigley threw a pass and it was incomplete. It was a bad throw and it just went totally wrong. And uh, I remember after the game, we all gathered. Or not after the game, but uh, when they returned. Mm Because they went to Pittsburgh and then they came back. And everyone quizzed Ryan Quigley about his pass. And it was, he just had, he talked for like eight minutes about throwing one ball. And uh, that was hilarious. So Keenum in this game struggled quite a bit. Yeah. I'm going to guess that Keenum went something like 18 for 27 with 100 and 
89 yards and a touchdown or something. No, no, I, did they not score? Did he not throw a touchdown? No, no touchdown. No touchdowns, no interceptions, 20 of 37 for 167 yards for him. <laughs> okay. Though one of your favorite players on the roster. CJ right Ham. His do you know his stat line? Uh, I think he had one carry for one yard, one touchdown. Yes. yes. <laughs> because Delvin Cook had like a 30-yard run that set them up at the one, and it might have even been reviewed. And then CJ Ham came in and plowed it in. I will also throw it out there that Trey Waynes had several penalties in that game because <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger kept throwing it up. Uh, all right, move on to the next game. Nailed that one. Also, I was going to say, Everson Griffin had two sacks in that game. Did not remember that part of it because there were so many hilarious things that happened. These this, these next two are from the 2017 season I was going to say, well. are you going to pick some wins? <laughs> uh, no, not right. Not yet. Okay. Next, next game after this one will be week 14 of that same season, 2017, Vikings at Carolina. Oh, I was there. Cam Newton uh, runs for like a 60-yard carry that set them up to go ahead in that game right off the bat early in the game there's a handoff that goes for maybe like a 50 yard touchdown mm-hmm. something like that who is that to jonathan stewart maybe i think so yeah jonathan stewart right right off the right guard for 60 yards? yards 60 yards wow okay this is one where adam Thielen bobbled the ball in the end zone mm-hmm. and the vikings went absolutely crazy and if it was now it probably gets called a touchdown but at that time uh, did not get called a touchdown um, minor thing, I think Pat Elfline gets hurt in that game, which affected him maybe always, but I don't know that that would be on your box score. Anderson Dejo intercepts a pass, has a chance to score a touchdown, and does not score that touchdown, oh. which costs them. And if he had scored that touchdown, they would have had a home field playoff game against yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles and very likely, or at least... To, would have had a much better chance to win if that game had been at home. The Vikings offensive line, not good that day. You remember how many times Case Keenum was sacked? I'm going to say five. He had his you only fumble. He had his, his only six. fumble of the entire year. Which is an incredible stat line in yes. itself. It is. All right, move on to the next one. Nail that one. Next one. Let me start the <laughs> next music. Get these people a win. Here's your win. The very next week, week 15, hosting the Bengals. Okay, Teddy comes back in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray went crazy in the passing game. I'm going to say that uh, Jarek McKinnon had something like 80 yards receiving, maybe up even higher. Was he over 100? He was over 100. over 100. Yeah, he seven receptions, 114 yards. Wow. Receiving. Yeah. So Case Keenum threw a beautiful touchdown pass to Adam Thielen in that game. They struggled early on, and mm-hmm. it was kind of low scoring. And then he throws a great kind of like a slant route, hits him right in the hands. Also, the only defensive touchdown of the year, I believe, was scored in that game by Eric Kendricks yeah. on an interception of Andy Dalton. Do you know Dalton. the other guy who, who got an interception in that game? Let me think about this. Let me think about this because I feel like I do. You should. And I am struggling to remember. Would it have been Harrison Smith? Nope. Mm. Another defensive back. But this one you love. Defensive back that I love? He's been on the show. Oh, uh, well... Anthony Harris? No. no who would it? Terrence Newman. Oh, Terrence Newman. That's right. Okay. One, one interception for three yards. Okay. Yes. I do remember that there were multiple interceptions. Did not remember that it was Terrence yeah. against his old team. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, I mean, the game is just over, and I probably didn't pay attention yeah. until the Teddy thing happened. And Teddy, by the way, throws like two passes, and one of them is it's com- tipped up. Right. But he threw the other one to Michael Floyd. Yeah. And I think Floyd dropped it. Uh, he is credited with the drop, yeah, I think. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not a good day that for that one. All right, we got time for like two more. I've got one more here for okay, you. Okay, one more. 
This one, there's a lot of storylines from this one. Week 4, 2018 season. They're at Los Angeles Rams. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was there. Yeah. What do you want to know? Um, Give me how many yards Kirk Cousins threw for that day. Over 400. Yep. I think that uh, Goff also might have had almost a perfect quarterback rating. It was like 156 or something. He was 158.3. Oh, okay. It was perfect perfect quarterback rating. Yeah, that was something. Five touchdowns. Now, how about this? This is the game where I think Aldrick Robinson caught two touchdowns. Yes. Is that yeah, right? That's yeah. the first time we saw him. Aldrick Robinson. And one of them, he ran the wrong route and just so happened to catch the touchdown. Uh, they threw a bunch of passes that were short to Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. Did he have like a lot of catches? He had but 11 not a ton catches of for 123 yards. All right. And Trey Wayne's got hurt in that game. I remember that very, very early on. We also had kind of a strange decision by Sean McVay. Uh, where he decided to kick a field goal and missed it late in the game. I think that opened up the door, or maybe they made it, but it opened up the door for Kirk to have a chance to drive for a game-tying was, touchdown, but that did not happen. Was that also the game that uh, their punter, Johnny Hecker, threw a pass or ran? They had a fake punt. They did. And they failed on it, right? No, but, I thought they converted because oh, it converted went it? for a really long play, if I remember correctly. Okay, yeah. Now that that I did not remember, but I think there is a there's a field goal late that was pretty questionable. But then Cousins gets uh, strip sacked at the end, in which it became a long debated thing of whose fault it was that he got strip sacked. I'm trying game. to find the the hacker thing. Passing, yeah, it was you were right. Passing complete, complete yeah. deep right. Yep, but they weren't ready for it. That was fun. So there's some memories for you from the last four years for random <laughs> football games. Uh, it is going to be super strange. And we're going to talk more about that with Arif Hassan, who has been around, same as me, for quite a while covering this team. And to not have Everson Griffin in the locker room next year is going to be very weird. If you missed the news he announced on Instagram, he is not coming back with the Minnesota Vikings. And his agent said that the Vikings want to spend their money elsewhere, uh, which, you know, they don't really have any to spend anywhere. We'll talk with Arif Hassan about what's next. We've spent a lot of the show on the direction, what's the right way to go. Uh, The first hour felt like sky is falling a little bit. Um, So we'll ask Arif if that's right or not when we return here on Purple Daily. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app. Prizes up for grabs this month include MLB The Show 20 for PS4 with all updated batting, fielding, and pitching. MLB The Show 20 and PS4 also includes full minor league rosters. Get it now at theshow.com or win it with the free Score North app. Just download the app, register your app, and you could be a winner. Jonathan here with the Score North download. The American Red Cross is facing a severe blood shortage due to the COVID-19 outbreak. Healthy blood and platelet donors are asked to give now. Donating blood is safe and can help save lives. Please schedule an appointment by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit scorenorth.com keyword red to learn more and sign up to give blood. Over at scorenorth.com right now, we've got your coverage of all the moves related to the Vikings in free agency right now, including Everson Griffin saying goodbye to to Minnesota on Instagram. Judd Zolgad's got the report on Andrew Sandejo agreeing to a deal with Cleveland. Also, Matthew Collar has a list of 30 affordable remaining free agents who fit the Vikings' needs. That's all That's all for free over at scorenorth.com right now. Also available on the Scorenorth mobile app. That's been your Scorenorth download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar back here, and uh, we welcome in Arif Hassan from The Athletic. Arif, um, who do you think's playing for the Vikings? 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to contact sources to find out who's on the roster. Is it anyone? Uh, at the moment, it isn't. So let's talk about Everson Griffin for a minute here. Uh, he announces on Instagram that he's leaving, and Everson Griffin, to me, feels different. And you'll tell me if you uh, didn't have this same feeling today when he announced that he wasn't coming back. And the reason is because he's still really good at football. Uh, releasing someone like Xavier Rhodes or Linval Joseph, you can say, all right, well, those guys had fallen off. They're not worth what they're making anymore. But Joseph had 66 pressures last year and ranks in the top 15 for defensive ends. He still draws a lot of attention, and especially the first half of the year was outstanding. So to have him leave, that, to me, changes the dial from, yeah, reload to rebuild on the defensive side. Yeah, I think so, and I think it's something the Vikings didn't anticipate. Otherwise, I don't think they would have committed themselves the way they did to Kirk Cousins. Uh, they're they're very clearly attempting to win now, but all they've really done, aside from signing Michael Pierce, is shed talent. Um, it's it's pretty concerning, and, and Griffin, like you said, uh, still has a couple of years, it seems like, left in him, especially if you put him in a rotational role, which I expect he'll be wherever he signs, so he'll have the ability to have like a maximum impact. Um, the real concerning part is that the Vikings expected him to be back. I mean, they announced at the Combine that they expect him to be back, which is a very rare thing to do, even if you do expect someone to be back, because you typically just don't say anything until all the pieces are in place. Um, but I mean, you know, they, they did it and, and it's very clear, you know, he's not coming back. He announced on Instagram, uh, he reposted like something about interest with the Cowboys. It sounds like five or six other teams were interested. Um, that's concerning. Well, I think a lot of teams should be interested and and that is why it is concerning because you sort of felt like you had that money in the bank with Everson Griffin of knowing that if he came back on a reasonable deal, which is kind of what we expected in their tough salary cap days, that they would still have a really good defensive line and you could still set up Daniil Hunter or Everson Griffin to be double teamed, but not both of them. And you can improve on the cornerback play from the outside corners and maybe work out uh, you know, something with Anthony Harris and then still have a very, very good defense because Eric Kendricks is great and Harrison Smith is great. But this move is, is very much a swing toward, well, now who else should you be looking at moving? I mean, does this sort of move you more toward trading Anthony Harris or the thing that the internet really did not love being brought up, which was a Harrison Smith trade? Because now it feels like burn it all to the ground. Yeah, and, and it's very awkward to say that in the context of, of a cap situation where Cousins is very likely going to either have to extend again in 2022 or take a $45 million hit for the team. I mean, I, I think that uh, it, it's going to be difficult to rebuild if you don't give space for a quarterback to enter the team. But if you want a quarterback to enter the team, you need first-round ammo to do it that uh, requires trading Harris or uh, somebody who has trade value like Harrison Smith that's going to be pretty difficult. So, yeah, the Vikings might have to shift into rebuild mode because they haven't been able to retain any talent. But the way that they haven't been able to retain any talent uh, has, has made it very difficult for them to rebuild. So they're in this very awkward period. They were already entering the offseason 
attempting to navigate this really tight situation, walking a tightrope, and they've basically just taken wrong steps every single step of the way, <laughs> unless they were able to like recoup it on the back end. It doesn't look like they're able to. So uh, disagree because Kai, or not Kai, I'm sorry, not Kai Forbeth, uh, but Dan Bailey is back and Britton Colquitt is back. So I don't know how you could look at it and say that they've lost a lot of talent when the best kicker in team history is back. Um, sorry, I, I didn't even effectively do the turbo snark there. Uh, so you, I, I think it's a really interesting point about the Kirk Cousins uh, extension because you do it out of desperation to make cap space for players to sign, and then your players leave anyway. (laughs) And uh, so now you're looking at a situation that normally a team, if they're in this spot, would not be signing a very, very expensive quarterback. I I made the comparison earlier. It would have almost been like if the New York Jets had signed Kirk Cousins when he was initially a free agent. It never made much sense for the Jets to sign Kirk Cousins at that time because they just weren't ready to win. So why add a $30 million quarterback? And that's essentially by signing him to a contract extension. What the Vikings have done here is added a very expensive quarterback to a team that needs that cap space and all the draft capital and so forth to build itself back up. Yeah, and honestly, I was fine at the time with the Cousins extension, despite the fact that it put them in this really difficult, awkward situation two years from now, because I thought it signaled a move to be able to grab some sort of free agents that would be able to put the Vikings over the top. And then, of course, you know, you trade away Stephon Diggs. That makes it a little bit more difficult. But, hey, that frees up some cap space at the back end. And with the new CBA, you have the ability to sign a free agent and use the cap space at the back end, even if you don't free up that much in, in 2020. So, hey, maybe there's something there. But they just haven't been – I mean, Michael Pierce is great, but he's a nose tackle. So there's, like, not really much – that you've added to the team that substantially has improved their ability to win, but they very clearly signal that they want to do that now at the cost of uh, future capability, which teams do all the time. Sometimes it works out, and the Vikings just haven't actually done the second part. They've like freed up all this room, and now they're just sitting there. Yeah, in the Pierce signing for $27 million over three years, that also doesn't really fit. I mean, it fits with a team that was bringing back Everson Griffin and then maybe signing Nikel Roby Coleman and drafting a first-round corner and hoping that Mike Hughes improves and keeping Anthony Harris. But if you trade Anthony Harris and Everson Griffin is gone, then signing an expensive nose tackle, I mean, that's the last piece you would want to add, as in, oh, we have a great defense, we just need this nose tackle, so let's overpay for him, not... Hey, let's start out our free agency period when we need to rebuild with something too expensive at that position. So I understand fully, and you wrote about this, I know, of like Mike Zimmer's thinking on why a nose tackle would be important. I'm not debating that part of it. I'm debating this position being one to invest a pretty good deal of money when you're up against the salary cap. Yeah, and if he was 25 instead of 27, which I know sounds like a very small difference, but it really is pretty significant because, you know, Linval Joseph was 25 when he initially signed with the Vikings in 2014. If he was 25 instead of 27, you could just say, hey, they're just they're packing it away for the future, especially if it was a longer-term deal than three years. Um, but it, it might be that the Vikings really think they can hit on every single one of their draft picks. If they trade Anthony Harris, let's say for a third-round pick or a pick swap or something, they're basically – betting that they can replace like five Pro Bowl talents with five or six picks in the top 105 picks, 
which uh, seems pretty unlikely to me. I don't think uh, <laughs> any GM has done that, even if you include that incredible Saints draft class from a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't. I don't think they got five Pro Bowlers out of it. So I don't. There's there's not a way to improve the team in a really significant way given the way that they're kind of moving these assets around. And I could be wrong. Maybe they're making a move for Jadevian Clowney. There's already, you know, some people creating a stir about that. And then you turn the whole ship around, and you're like, oh, hey, great. They're ready to go. Let's go. But it, it just seems unlikely. So, uh, hey, they could do some stuff on the back end that could make it pretty interesting. But right now, given what we know, it, it's really difficult to say that the team has found ways to execute what looked like their vision from the beginning of this offseason. And you know, Arif, that I want nothing more than madness, than big trades, crazy moves, all-in type of plays, because that makes it fun to talk about for not only me, but everybody else who's a Vikings fan. But now the all-in type of moves that we talked about seem just... Like, they wouldn't make sense all of a sudden, because not only is Griffin gone, that's a big deal, but Stefan Diggs being gone, also a big deal. And like you said, 22nd overall pick, are you getting a, a Pro Bowl wide receiver at that point? That's pretty hard to imagine right there. Um, so if you said, oh, the, well, they're going to trade some of this draft capital for Trent Williams and sign him to an extension that lowers his cap hit, and maybe they trade Riley Reef along with him, that I, you would almost go, huh, for why? Right. Like, even though a week ago I would have said, oh, kind of makes sense because they're all in. But now it feels like if you make an all in move now, it almost seems like you just don't understand who you are. Yeah, it really does, because the the Vikings right now uh, are essentially aiming for eight and eight or something like that. it's helping no one. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense in terms of what their stated goals are. Like you said, if they make a couple more, they'd have to, they'd have to keep re-upping it for it to end up making sense. They'd have to, you know, use some of that draft capital to trade for Trent Williams and they'd somehow have to magic, uh, a deal that would make, you know, Jadevian Clowney work, which if they're not going to sign Everson for like, 10 million or however much he's asking for, uh, they're, they're not going to sign Shadevian Clowney. Um, so they'd have to be able to do that. And then they'd have to be able to figure out kind of what's happening at wide receiver. They'd have to sign Rashad Perriman and then trade up in the first round. But we've already used all these trade assets on Trent Williams. How are we going to do all this? So it's really difficult with the assets they have, with the moves they made for them to be able to say, Hey, no, we're fully committed to winning in 2020. Maybe that means we're going to take some hits on the back end. Uh, but it really seems like 2019 was their window based off of what they're doing right now. It definitely feels that way. And I wonder how things would have been different, Arif, had they been smoked by the New Orleans Saints. Like If they would be taking a very different angle toward this offseason, um, depending on whether you even had Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman still here. And any time that you're being judged on what happens in one playoff game, that's where you can tend to make mistakes. And, and I wonder if whether it was moving on from those guys and trying something else, uh, or if it was just saying, Hey, let's be realistic. The window closed and now we have to move on. I, I wonder if either one of those outcomes would have been influenced, uh, heavily if they had lost in New Orleans of so just a, a different approach to this offseason. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because I, I think that you're right, especially, you know, they win in New Orleans, they have the ability to kind of make a run in the playoffs. But the most interesting thing about that is that the two heroes of the New Orleans game 
both left. Andrew Sandejo signed, uh, Everson Griffin has signaled that he's not with the Vikings anymore. And so you think, hey, that, that Saints game really changed a lot because we think that, you know, that Zimmer was under, you know, the hot seat. He turns in maybe the best coaching performance I've seen. Uh, it's really incredible, but it does set up the Vikings to think that they've really got all the courses to, to make it go. But the two pieces that were really critical to making that Saints game work are also gone. So it is a very curious situation where the Saints game set them up to have this kind of offseason, but they're not using the things they learned from the Saints game. It's it's very fascinating. Talking with Arif Hassan of The Athletic, so then what should their realistic timeline be to be good again? And, I mean, in a way, you could probably make an argument that that doesn't happen until you trade Kirk Cousins in 2021 or something like that. And maybe things are very different with a 17-game season and the salary cap, so other, another team might be interested in it. Or is it 2021 that you could do it? Because I can see a path with Hunter being very young and you're going to draft these defensive backs and you'd be developing them throughout the next couple of years and a left tackle maybe you hit on that you know, even in that short of a time that you could be quite relevant again if you open up more cap space with this or that and you could sign some free agents. Um, do you think it would take longer than that? And, and what's the path if that's going to be the case? I, I think it would be shorter than it would be for a lot of teams if you take a look and identify the core young talent, which unfortunately does not include Adam Thielen. He's kind of on the other end of it. You kind of put him in the Harrison Smith category. Um, yeah, you mentioned Hunter. Uh, they, I, you could say Michael Pierce is now a member of the core young talent. Uh, if they extend Dalvin Cook, which I don't think is a smart move, they might actually still be headed in that direction. Um, but you would count him. Uh, there's, there's a number of players that, uh, you know, Brian O'Neill, potentially Garrett Bradbury, number of players that would be core to a rebuild. And I think there's more of those players than there are for a lot of teams that find themselves in, you know, quote unquote rebuild mode. Normally you put Anthony Harris there. It still sounds like they're trying to trade him. Um, but. Uh, I think you could be good sooner so long as, of course, you find a way to get that quarterback and you hit on the quarterback, which is the, the essential nature for all teams. But with that good young quarterback, I think the Vikings are closer to competing sooner than I think a ton of teams are when they enter that, that, that same kind of category. You know, it really feels like they're walking a tightrope. And if you fall off the tightrope into the, uh, what, what did the guy, what did he walk over? The, there's the guy that does the tightrope and it was on TV back when we didn't have coronavirus scares. He was walking over a mountain or something. Uh, anyway, so if, uh, it feels like you're doing that. What was it? Oh, a volcano. So the volcano, yeah. the volcano is mediocrity. If you fall into the volcano, you go six and ten or seven and nine for three straight years, and it's just the absolute worst for everyone. People get fired, the fans lose interest, the players are at each other's throats. Uh, can you tell that I uh, was in Buffalo for a while? Um, but uh, you know, it just it does not go well when that that's the worst place you could possibly be. And I, I just feel like that's where they're at because there's enough talent to win seven games or eight games, but. Unless you hit on those draft picks, there's not enough talent to win more than that. And that's what they're in, I think, very much danger going down this path of ending up being. 
Yeah, I, I think you're always in a really precarious position when you rely on hitting on multiple draft pe- picks from the same class. Like, I understand we really need this first-round pick to hit. We've got, I don't know, a 60% chance of that or whatever, and then, you know, that's going to set up our team for success. That's great. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but I think you're fine. But if you end up being, like, required to hit, you know, three or four draft picks in the first 100 or five draft picks in the first 100 in order to get back to where you were – you're you're basically SOL. I mean, there's nothing that you can because now you're multiplying that 60% by like four, which you know that's that's not great. That's like two percent or something. I, don't, I can't do math, but it's not great. Uh, so uh, you can't really put yourself in a situation where you need those draft picks. It's just better to have draft picks as kind of a luxury, as a buffer to provide a floor. But in order to provide all of the core elements of your team. That's tough, and and I think that you're right. That really sets you up for a seven nine eight eight six ten sort of season, uh, multiple times in a row until you get out from under a quarterback contract. That hey, if you go six ten seven nine three years in a row, who's going to want to trade for the quarterback? It's it's tough. Right. No, that's a good point. Uh, last thing for you. Um, what's been the move that you have loved, uh, whether it's from a fun and entertainment standpoint or if it's just from a, hey, like this was under the radar, really savvy and smart type of move in the NFL so far in the first week? Um, I, I really like the Shaq Lawson signing from the Dolphins. I know they've made Who a bunch of big Reef? money moves. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> oh, really love this a low-key Dolphin signing. You would do that. Well, I don't think the Dolphins are good, but I just think that if you put yourself in a position to think that, hey, maybe they'll grab a quarterback that'll compete right away. Hey, you've got Byron Jones and Damian Howard in the same secondary. That's pretty cool. Uh, it'd be nice to support them with some pass rush, and I think that Shaq Lawson is a really underrated signing. He could be the Shaq Barrett uh, of this year. So I, I think that that's a pretty good move. I don't know that maybe the Dolphins are the right team for Shaq Lawson if he wants to you know, win a lot right away, but I think it's just a smart move to sign him. And the Dolphins are at least executing a core consistent vision, uh, which it didn't seem like that they were going to do last year. They signed a bunch of really, you know, high-end free agents that are pretty interesting. Uh, I think Lawson is kind of the more underrated among that group, and then they can use those draft picks that they have uh, in order to kind of round things out. And then, of course, they have to hit on the quarterback. I love how I yelled, who cares, and you just kept powering through with your Shaq Lawson analysis. I, I can't help but respect it. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 wonder, I wonder this. I'll leave you on this. Would you trade the entire situation that the Vikings are in, roster, coaches, everything else, for Miami's at this point? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I Well, maybe partially because I just think Miami as an organization is just screwed no matter what. Don't worry about that. I'm just talking about the, right. the draft capital and the roster and the situation you're in. I might because you can maybe draft Tua. Yeah, it's – okay, so when you put it – yeah, I think that – it is, it's just more exciting, right? Because like you said, you can draft two or maybe, you know, they'll pull a fast one and draft Justin Herbert. Who knows? Yeah. No, maybe they'll, they'll pass. Put, yeah, right. <laughs> but the, you know, it's, it's exciting to speculate and talk about kind of those quarterbacks. Right now, we're like talking about, right, are they going to get, I don't know, Justin Jefferson? Like that's like the most interesting thing they could do right now for the Vikings. But for the Dolphins, they could do like eight different things. Um, I, I think that that's way more exciting. I think they've got more upside to be interesting. I think if they go, you know, eight and eight, that's a more interesting talker from, from where they were as a, as a tanking team than if the Vikings go from a playoff team to eight and eight. So yeah. it's more, it's more interesting.
for yeah, sure. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Arif Hassan writes for The Athletic. Always appreciate your time and uh, great stuff, Arif. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. All right, before we wrap up, we have just a couple minutes. I want to say this about Everson Griffin because he's one of the first players that when I got here in 2016 to start covering the Vikings, that you walk into a locker room and you feel his presence. Like he is, of course, loud and he has a big personality, but also just such an impressive player in terms of the effort that he gave, the motor that he was, and the heart in a lot of ways, of the Vikings' defense for years that included a lot of really great moments and a lot of really great moments for Everson Griffin on a personal level. Um, I, I can't say I'll ever forget when Everson Griffin got a sack in Detroit and pulls up his jersey and has, uh, I think, something like, I had a baby boy written on his his shirt underneath, which he did not get fined for, if I recall correctly. And, uh, you know, Everson always had something interesting to say at his locker and and was a guy that everybody looked to with such a great deal of respect for the type of player that he became. Uh, He was a guy that had some troubles at USC, came out early in his NFL career, and maybe wasn't taking it as seriously as he needed to and grew up under Mike Zimmer to become one of the best players in the entire NFL. And one of those guys that if you're a left tackle the night before, you are having trouble sleeping before you're facing Everson Griffin. And when you look at even closer, and not just the sack totals, which are tremendous, but when you look closer for the amount of attention he required to even slow him down a little bit, um, (laughs) man, I mean, they needed tight ends, they needed running backs, fullbacks, uh, double teams, all the things like that in order to slow down Everson Griffin and still didn't have a whole lot of success doing it. And Daniil Hunter will definitely miss Everson Griffin on the other side. So he was a guy uh, that is borderline ring of honor type level and had a, a really remarkable career as a Minnesota Viking. And I think that the lasting image of Everson Griffin is probably when you see the camera show him on the sideline in the Minneapolis Miracle with his eyes popped out of his head and his hands on top of his head like he can't believe what just happened. Uh, Everson Griffin at that moment was every single person watching that game. And uh, so you, you have to appreciate somebody who put that much dedication into it and also played this game with that level of heart and violence and toughness. I mean, he brought all that to this team and... Let me tell you, not easy to replace. Not easy to replace at all. All right, Mackie and Judd with Rami will continue the reaction. Everson Griffin on his way out of Minnesota. We will catch you on Monday, but emergency podcast if something happens. All right, so keep your eye on the uh, the feed there, on the, on the podcast feed. All right, we'll see you Monday. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.